Hey Panthers, welcome to the official leadership podcast. This is Behind the Maps. Hey, I'm Sophia, the director. And I'm Margo, the chief editor. And I'm Kai Chen, the distance editor. And I'm Irene, the media manager. So today, to start off our new topic, we're going to talk a little bit about financial inequality on the basis of gender and how this may connect to mental health and and its effects. Today, we'd like to start off with a quote by Oprah Winfrey. Whatever you fear has no power. It is your fear that has power. Our subtopics today are are going to be what is gender equality, the pink tax, employment equality, and why all of this is a problem and what the effects are of it. And with that in mind, we'd like to continue with our episode. So to start, I'll just be doing the broad, what is gender equality? So from the name, as the name suggests, you'll, you can already infer that it's when people of all genders have equal rights. And, you know, that's the word all is important because when we talk about gender, we usually associate it with just male and female, but there is more than one gender. So we like to put that straight first. And gender equality, going back to that, is when all genders have equal rights, responsibilities, and opportunities. And the word equality has been circling around now, especially with race, not gender, but it is still an issue as to women's right in the workplace and, well, any gender, like we just said. Yeah, for sure. I like how you mentioned um, all these different genders beyond the gender binary and how they also fit into this um, issue of gender equality because it is still very much an issue. And we do need to recognize when talking about sexism that it does affect people even outside the gender binary and we need to use inclusive language. So we're going to be trying to do that today. Yeah, exactly. So I am going to talk a little bit about pig tax and what it is a little I'm going to briefly go into where it originated from and how the pink tax culture is really implemented in everyday choices and purchases and so New York City recently produced a report on the gender price differential in some consumer goods so this is called pink tax where quote unquote pink products that are targeted towards women um, are usually priced at a higher purchase rate. So it turns out most women pay more than men for certain goods like clothes, home health products, and personal care products. The study found that most women pay as much as 13% more for some categories of products. So the pink tax is a broad tendency for products marketed specifically uh, towards women to be more expensive than those marketed for men, despite other genders' uh, choices to purchase 
either product. This phenomenon is often attributed to gender-based price discrimination with the name stemming from the observation that many of the affected products are pink. So the NYC Department of Consumer Affairs conducted a study that concludes that uh, women's products are typically more expensive than men's without reasonable cause. So there are many forms of this, such as the tampon tax, product differentiation, and the belief that menstruators are less price elastic than those who don't menstruate. And there are many reasons why pink tax exists, including tariffs, product discrimination, certain types of clothing, footwear, and gloves made for women and men are taxed at different levels when first entering the United States. And while some tariffs are higher for men's clothing, others are higher for women's, and it's just typically more common to have the quote-unquote women's section of commercial apparel to be at a higher price. And so products marketed specifically towards women or those who express themselves as more feminine cost on average 7% more than products marketed towards men. This discrepancy uh, applies to apparel, toys, healthcare products, and among other things. And so in the toy sector, quote-unquote girls' toys cost on average 7% more than the stereotypical boys' toys. And the study talked about a side-by-side -side comparison of a radio flyer scooter, um, where the red scooter cost um, $25, and a pink scooter, identical in all ways, but color, um, sorry, costs $49. And so in children's apparel, more feminine clothes are 4% more expensive than perceived masculine apparel. And in, as I said before, in commercial stores, apparel that is considered men's clothing uh, was 8% less expensive than the named women's clothing aisles. The largest discrepancy came to personal care and hygiene products, where menstrual products, pink razors, shampoo, and quote-unquote women's deodorants cost 13% um, more than men's razors, shampoo, and deodorants. It, it's important to stay mindful and like really aware that this is like happening and I don't really know um, what a good way to help stop this is other than really bring awareness and um, because there is only so much you can do as youth, uh, but to really stay aware and conscious of your purchases and how that may affect um, others and really yourself in the future uh, is, is just a really important step in becoming more um in, in, in like in conquering the pink tax and the uh, gender and sex discrimination yeah i think that it's wrong and it's incredibly astonishing that this is an entire system in itself and that it's so pervasive that it affects so many different products and so many different parts of our lives and all of that extra money compounds so really 
we're almost taxing being feminine or having these processes such as ovulation or menstruation that are entirely natural, um, we're taxing that. And that's entirely wrong because we should live in a society where we are all equal. And that, and that is like the basis of this episode um, in terms of like gender equality and gender expression um, and like equality in that way as well. Um, so, so it's really important that we cover this because money, I'll, I'll talk about this later, but money is power and money is very important in our society. And I, and I do want to just share my thoughts that it's absolutely insane that we have to explain why pink tax and employment discrimination and gender inequality is bad it and how it affects like it it it's in, it's very it, it's just very strange that we're at a point in our society that we have to explain those things while it should just be a like second nature and just a large part of our lives rather than a, an odd idea that needs to be reinforced by statistics and explanation while it should just be something that that like gender equality should just be a part of our society and it isn't and it is quite strange on how we got to a place and a point in our in our life and in our world that it isn't second nature and it you have to learn how to be kind and how to be accepting to another uh, another body uh, or a group of people who are different in any way in expression or uh, biological sex or race or or sexual orientation or really anything or identity so yeah it's just very shocking and I, I just wanted to share uh, that realization that like we have to explain these things and it should not that should not be normalized and unfortunately we are in a spot where we do have to explain these things and so we are more than happy to explain <laughs> to those who may not have the same views and it's okay if you don't have the same views but uh yeah I just wanted to share that yeah sort of just along the lines of what you said with with racism and now gender inequality like these things they really should not even exist how we thought it was okay to even think like this how we thought that it was okay to let this go so far um, well, as long as right now we're in the moment and trying to fix it, trying to bring awareness to this, that's really all we can do. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. It's, it's tragic that this has gone on so long and it's tragic that we have to still think about it and we are presented as youth with an issue that has persisted for many many years especially in western culture um 
and we have to bring it upon ourselves to dismantle that and clear out these toxic ideas that penetrate our minds, the minds of people around us, and that continue to persist and continue to grow even with all of these voices that are trying to stop that process. Yeah, I like how you use statistics to show the idea of the races and other things out. So yeah, I think I'm going to cover about my my topic, which was the gender inequality in work workplaces and and employment. So okay, so I'm gonna list many examples like to show the gender inequality in those things. So the first one was unequal pay. So on average, American women. Are more educated than men, so for decades, women have earned more bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, and doctorate degrees than men. Yet, women in the U.S. workforce still earn less than their male counterparts. So, how much is that less? While some statistics show that women earn eighty percent of what men are paid. New data published in November 2018 suggests the pay gap between the men and the women may even be greater. So, according to the Institute for Women's Policy Research, women earn 49 cents compared to every one dollar men earn, which means like the women can only earn half of the men men earned. Unlike other research, the New data considers part-time workers and women who have taken time off from work to shoulder and demands of having and raising children or other family obligations. More than half of the women leave the workforce for at least a year, which was twice the rate of the men. To help curb this discrepancy, experts say new policies are needed, including more paid. Parental leave, supporting for childcare and other pro-family policies. Uh, so and the second one is sexual harassment. An obstacle that many women face in the workforce is sexual harassment. While the while the Me Too movement have helped to shed light on the issue, little has been known until now. About how many women are subjected to this type of mistreatment? A survey conducted in January twenty eighteen by the nonprofit Stop Street Harassment found thirty eight percent of women have experienced sexual harassment in the workplace, and eighty one percent reported experienced some form of sexual harassment in their lifetime. Including verbal or physical assault. Data also links work-related factors to be an increased risk of sexual harassment or assault in the workplace. Women restaurant workers who rely on tips for their main source of incomes are twice as likely to experience sexual harassment. Women lacking legal immigration status or having only a temporary work visa. 
are also at an increased risk of sexual harassment or assault. And the third one is racism. Unfortunately, race seems to play a major role in how women are treated and compensated in the workspace. So as, as Margot mentioned, I'm, I'm also going to use some statistics about the race. So the pay of a woman received may vary depending on her race and ethnicity. Data from the Institute for Women's Policy, Policy Research found that Asian Pacific, Pacific Islander women have the highest median annual earning and are compensated for 46K. White women follows at 40K, while Native American and Hispanic women have the lowest pay, earning 31K and 28K per day, per year. Earning, earnings also vary by race when compared to what men are compensated. And the final one is the women are promoted less often than men. So despite Despite being more educated than men and constituting nearly half of the workforce, women are promoted at work far less often than men. We know this because women make up less than 5% of CEOs and less than 10% of women are top earners in the S&P 500 as they are nearly invisible on both S&P 500 boards and Fortune 500 boards. One reason cited for why more women are moving into higher up executive type roles is the lack of female role models in the workplace. So one site named the Catalyst.org uh, Catalyst says that not having a visible role model can make women feel as if moving into a leadership type role is sim simply unattainable. So yeah, that's how basically uh, women and men's difference in employment and work for workspaces. Mm -hmm. Again, this money doesn't lie and these statistics don't lie because numbers are so powerful in that they can bridge both the abstract concepts and real life experiences in um, our society and they have the power to reach many different people and have an impact on many different people. And I think that's partly because we do live in a capitalist and productivity driven and oriented society that is fundamentally driven by money because money is influence and influence is power. So in many ways, we're just really pawns of the dollar or money or everything related to that. And it's almost ironic because the American dream is has always been to rise above and achieve success and power through capitalism with money serving as the ultimate equalizer when in reality it's not. Because some are disadvantaged both socially and financially specifically because of their gender identity or sex at birth 
due to these aforementioned systems and these aforementioned statistics. Discrimination on the basis of gender in the Western culture is deeply rooted in the past. It's rooted in past ideals, a picturesque farm, say, living in the countryside, ignoring the tax of farm life on one's mind and body. And those ideals are deeply rooted and internalized within us because how could they not be? By nature, humans are reluctant to change and even more so determined to remain steadfast in their beliefs. It is hard for us to be challenged, but those ideas that we perpetuate are toxic and the continued perpetuation of them is tragic as we mentioned for all of these reasons. In reality, they hinder the growth of our society by leaving around one half of the population out of the conversation or at least censored in the conversation uh, made to make it more palatable because the water the, the longer the water remains stagnant and smelly and the longer conversations remain ungraced by powerful voices of those broadly failed by the patriarchy the more history our descendants have to frown upon. This is our legacy. In our current moment, what remains relevant even still is not those who we believe we will be failing in the future, but the young girls that we are failing now. Now, I recognize that some may argue that feminism is unnecessary, because we've reached an adequate point of equality. But as we've mentioned with these statistics, that is untrue. And one of the reasons we did choose this topic, financial equality, is because, as I've mentioned, numbers and money are incapable of lying and they're easier to grasp. So as always, there are so many other topics in need of being addressed that we could have addressed. But that's partly why feminism is so brave, bold, and important. Because in addition to leveling the playing field between men and women and different genders, it spotlights with certainty and honesty the inadequacies of our society on its many different fronts. Feminism is by nature intersectional just as it always has been. And these feminist voices have and will continue to remain relevant until the day we reach full and absolute equality. In reality, I think the debate about the necessity for feminism speaks to the degree of its necessity because people are okay with hearing about these statistics or simply unaware about these statistics of discrimination or violence. They've become the norm they've become normal. Let that sink in. So feminism is the battle for justice, just as gender equality is as much a fight for equity across the board. In many ways, it is taxing to have to assert and reassert to others the necessity for feminism, and in doing so, one's own value. 
it is discouraging that we as a society are still in this place. I and so many others are discontent. So I ask, let us use that discontent as kindling to fuel a fire of change in the hopes of creating a less bleak world for those who follow us. Let's extinguish or let's diminish that dark. Always remember that one way or another, we are destined to rise because patriarchy is unnatural and ableism and racism and homophobia and transphobia, xenophobia and religious persecution are unnatural. We are one as humans. So by taking our futures into our hands, utilizing our voices and organizing in harmony, we become powerful and we rise with intent and passion. We can rise. We are now very excited to be sharing our first positive leader spotlight in this episode. Today, we are choosing to spotlight the political activist Wangari Maathai. Wangari Maathai was a Kenyan social, environmental, and political activist and the first African woman to win a Nobel Peace Prize. She studied in the United States and went on to become the first woman in East and Central Africa to become a doctor of philosophy, later receiving a PhD. In 1977, Maathai founded the Green Belt Movement, an organization focused on the planting of trees, environmental conservation, and women's rights. She was a member of the Parliament of Kenya and served as an assistant minister for environmental and natural resources in the government of the president. Wangari Maathai has played a crucial role in the modern environmentalism and the conversation surrounding it helping redefine the world as we know it. I would also like to take the opportunity to remind listeners that the chance to submit stories and experiences is never too late. So those who share have the chance to share their names or not, creating a safe space for no judgment and a lot of acceptance. So for more information, please visit our website. So in this episode, we've discussed the power of statistics and money when bringing awareness to inequalities um, in gender in our society. But it's always important to remember that our world and society just does have hope for more understanding and a peaceful future. We've explored a powerful and inspirational leader who exemplified strong and loving hope for equality and have shown that we can one day make the world a better place. Please monitor your emotions while listening to any of our episodes and seek professional guidance if you have experienced emotional difficulties. Again, please reach out if you need help. Today, our featured organizations are the International Labor Organization and the Wangari Maathai Foundation. Thanks for listening. This is Behind the Mask. Thank you.